misbehave. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Um, this is an old verse, like all of them are in the Bible. They're all pretty old. <laughs> but this one's sort of old that I heard about this when I was a young Christian. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, I like, in, in this case, I like the way the original King James translates that. It beats everybody. It says, uh, you have an, an unction. Everybody say unction. Everybody know what an unction is? Unction something in you, right? And uh, that's a, a, a legitimate translation of that word that everybody knew King James and, you know, all the other translations have decided to go with the word anointing because it's more of a modern and we have more understanding. But I want to, you know, try to differentiate a little bit is that, you know, the anointing is something that's on you, you know what I'm saying, uh, that comes on you. The Holy Spirit anoints us. But there's also something that comes from within you. Okay? So that's really what I want to talk about. I don't want, I'm not talking about that anointing that gets on people and rests upon them. And, you know, that's wonderful and that needs to be talked about. But um, turn to Romans 2.20. This is not wrote down up there. Uh, you know, everything can't be wrote down up there. Sometimes you just have to... No, Romans 8.20. I'm sorry. I'm stuck back there. Actually, it's, it's, uh, one more time. Romans 8.22. This is where it's at. Uh, it sort of describes this unction thing, okay? That's what Romans 8.22, it describes what I want to try to talk to you about this morning. It says in Romans 8.22, For we know that the whole creation groans. Everybody say groans. It groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And I believe uh, God is, is really crying out and calling us to really discover that unction that's within us, okay? That thing that God has placed in each one of us. Not, I'm not talking about just the Holy Spirit, but it is the Holy Spirit. But the thing that's down inside of you that really is desiring expression, is desiring to come out. Are you all with me? you hear what I'm talking about? We'll sort of explain it. God's calling us to live from the inside out. So much of what we do, honestly, is we live from the outside in. We live the way we're expected to live, to live up to what everybody thinks we should do and how we should act. And, and that is really not Christianity at all, on any level. And the church has become so much that, that we've put so much emphasis on, on you, know, you know, trying to make people happy and, you know, being cultural rele- relevant and all that. And all those things are important, but this is much more important. If we don't have this, we're really not walking in all that God has for us. And this is really the thing that I keep hearing over and over in my heart is God saying, you've got to live from your heart. You've got to live from your heart. Is that really what you're seeing on the outside, what you're doing? Is that really what's in you? And when it's not, you really have to, there's, there's, a, there's an unequally, unequal thing that's going on in your life. And somebody's phone's ringing, and it's not mine. I hope it's not my computer trying to dial up here. <laughs> Anyway, the process of, of living from, from within is a discovery process. It's not something that's going to happen in your life instantly. It's something that you have to discover. 
It's something that you, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't just appear one day out of the blue. There is a process of discovery of going after that thing that groans in you that wants out and finding what that thing really is. You hear what I'm saying with, to you? Does anybody relate to what I'm talking about this morning? So, so we discover our God-given unction, and along the way, along the way in discovering this, we're going to find there's some other things that stand in the way of the thing that God has put in you. Okay, I'm talking about things in you that stand in the way. Not in other people, in you. Okay? <laughs> you know, other people's another deal, but there's things in us. You know what I'm saying? Proverbs 4.23. This is a great verse. Watch over your heart with all diligence. From it flow the springs of life. From your heart flow the springs of life. You got that? So out of the heart, out of your heart flows this unction. Out of your heart flows this thing from God. Okay? So the heart's really important. You know, it's critical. It's critical to living from the inside. Your heart is. So I want to talk to you just about your heart. Really, it's what I'm trying to talk to you about today is your heart and discovering, you know, what's in your heart and what are the things that hinder you. Okay? Now, Jer- this is what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is it's deceitful. It's desperately wicked. So man in Adam, man in Adam, that's the carnal man, that's the unsaved man, has a desperately wicked heart. And there is absolutely no cure for your desperately wicked heart on a natural perspective. It is, it is flat beyond hope. It's beyond hope. Okay? But God, in Christ, Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. So we, as, as human beings, start out with this wicked heart, this carnal heart, this heart that's worthless in the sight of God. And when we come to Christ, God, He actually gives us a brand new heart. You got that? He gives that to us. So we start out in Christianity with a heart that's right, a heart that's clean, a heart that's pure. And out of that heart is going to flow the very life of God. That's where all that that's where that unction is. It's in that heart that God gave you. It's not something that you, you know, developed over a period of time and you figured out. It is from that heart where God wants to flow out of you. That heart that God has put in every born again Christian. Y'all with me? That's the answer, a new heart in Christ. This heart's full of creativity. It really is. God is so creative. You know, and it's full of desires, it's full of energy, it's full of everything to express itself, to explore the world and discover things and make things. You know, all this stuff that we're seeing is this God in trying to communicate through man, this, this thing in them that wants to learn and wants to know stuff and doesn't want to be the same and doesn't want to fit in and wants something different. Yeah. Some, we, Matthew and I, we were trying to figure out, why does, how do you think the guy who came up with coffee figure out how to take beans and bake them and make coffee. Think about that. It's because there's this desire in creation from God. It's reaching out of itself, trying to discover, trying to, trying to press in. And spiritually, God has put something in every Christian that's trying to reach out. And the sad thing about Christianity is we have allowed ourselves to get beat down so far 
that the thing that God's put in us is way down in there. Way down in there. And you, it really is. And you can only live so long on somebody else's unction. You got that? And see, here's the church today. The church is living on somebody else's unction. You're living on somebody else's anointing mostly. Somebody else, some other gifted person who's expressing what God has got in them that we, that's meant to be enjoyed, that's meant to touch us, meant to feed us, meant to encourage us. But most Christians, and I'm telling you, most of us are living off of that instead of finding that thing in us. Therefore, we're not very happy and fulfilled Christians because we're living off of somebody else's thing. And we get blessed by their thing, and that's great. I mean, God has designed it so. We need each other. But if you ain't finding that unction in you, you're going to get wore out on, on their stuff. Sooner or later, you're going to get, and, and, and God wants to wear you out on it. He wants you to get tired of it. And lots of times what happens in Christianity, everything dries up for us. You know, the person who used to bless you doesn't bless you no more. And it's not because they're not blessed. Maybe they are in some cases. But many times, it's because God is calling you to find that thing in you. Find that thing in you. Don't accept that. Now, why do we have to watch over our hearts? I read the verse to you in Proverbs. Watch over your heart for out of it strings of issues life, if we have a new heart. That's, that's the real question you've got to ask yourself. Well, Lord, if I got this new heart from you, I got Jesus' heart pumping in me, I got the life of God pumping in me, why do I have to be concerned about it? Why, do I have to, why does the Bible tell me to watch out for it? Well, here's why. Satan, everybody say Satan. Get out of here. <laughs> didn't want to just say Satan and not say something derogatory to him. <laughs> Satan is out to stop or pollute the spring of God's life that's in each of us. He's out to pollute it. He's out to contaminate it. He's out to shut it down. And that's what he's done in many people's lives. He has stopped this spring of life in us. That's why the writer of Proverbs is encouraging us, watch out, you know, because the enemy really is trying to stop you up. First Peter 5a, everybody knows it. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And one of the ways he devours us, a typical way he devours us, is by hardening or contaminating your heart. That's one of the ways, one of the primary strategies of Satan on a day in and day out for most Christians is he wants to pollute your spring or harden your heart where your spring can't flow. You got that? So you got this spring in you, but it suddenly is polluted. So what's coming out of you is polluted water. Or maybe there's no water coming out of you because your heart's gotten hard. It's a hard place. So that's really what I want to talk to you just a little bit about that. Everybody with me? Contaminated heart. Turn to Hebrews 10. Now, I'm going to just tell you this. The reason I know this... I don't know it from a theological. I know it because I have been feeling for a while, when I look around myself, I'm saying, that ain't what's in me. And I feel like God's saying, well, what is in you? What's in you, Byron? What's really in you? Find that out. And I came to this place with the Lord. I said, Lord, I absolutely have no idea what's in me. As a matter of fact, I tell you what, God, I don't even want to know what's in me. I want to know what you've put in me. I want to find the thing that you've put in me, you've placed in me, that you've destined my life for, and that's what I want to discover. Okay? And so I began to do that, and, you know, I started finding these things in me. I started finding how the devil has contaminated my life 
uh, are we at Hebrews 10, 22? It says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Everybody say true heart. Having our hearts, everybody say hearts, sprinkled from an evil conscience. Say conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. So, conscious, all right, we need to understand about conscious. Now, I'm talking about heart and I'm talking about conscious. Stick with me just a little bit, okay? This is really important. Conscious is that inner God that God has placed in every human's soul. Every human being has a conscience. Born-again Christians, your conscience is not crucified with Christ. It's down in the soul realm. It's where your conscience lives. It's not your body of sin, okay? Are you all with me? Your conscience, listen to this, is not the same as the voice of God. You got that? It is not the same as the voice of God. Yet many Christians live by their conscience. And their conscience is not a good thing to live by. Because the conscience has been trained by tradition, culture, and personal choice. That's where your con- how your conscience is developed. Tradition, culture, and personal choice are three things. In other words, you grew up in a home where mom and them said, you know, you can't, you got to pray before you eat. Okay? you got to pray before you eat. So you were strictly trained in that. So every time you sit down somewhere, you're conscious, not the Holy Spirit is going to tell you to pray before you eat. Now, it just so happens praying before you eat is a good thing. It just so happens it is basically in alignment with the Bible, but the Bible nowhere commands us that. You understand what I'm saying? And we could use all kinds of negative, like you may have grown up in a house where cigarette smoking was not deemed as a bad thing. It was deemed as a good thing. And your conscience was trained that way. So you grow up, you get saved, and there's nothing wrong with smoking. Convince me. It's nowhere in the Bible. It doesn't talk about cigarettes in the Bible. That's what you could say. Because your conscience has been trained to say it's okay. But you know that cigarette smoking is not good for your body, and, you know, it's not good to mess with your body because it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Those are just some uh, examples. Y'all with me? So our conscience judges by whatever standards has been taught, right or wrong. You got that? Whether the standards are, if they're right or wrong, that's what your conscience tells you. That's why you really can't trust your conscience. Yet many Christians do. This is what they do. They sin, and they come to the Lord and truly repent, and, and what happens? But they still feel guilty. You see what I'm saying? They still feel condemned in their heart. They feel, feel judged in their heart. That's your conscience telling you that. Because the Bible, I just read it, it says the blood will wash it away. And what you have to do is say, I'm not agreeing with my conscience. I'm agreeing with what the Bible says. You know, your conscience always has to bow to the Word of God and to the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of Christians suffer in this area. A lot of Christians are beat up because their conscience is messing with them. Not the Holy Spirit. That's one of the ways the devil contaminates your heart. He gives you a bad conscience. Yes, condemnation. She's ahead. She's smart. A condemned heart. First John, let's read, look over there. And I didn't tell her this. Believe me, I didn't tell her this. <laughs> I wish I could have told her this. <laughs> Anyways, First John, it really clearly states this. Let's look at First John 3. I'm not going to give you all of them. All right, First John 3, let's, verse 18. My little children. And by the way, 
I want to encourage everybody to read First John. I want to encourage you to read this book in the Bible. It is profoundly prophetic. Profoundly prophetic. And it is profoundly about intimacy with Christ. It's not, you know, John uses a lot of words that, like, my little children and stuff like that that seems sort of flowery to us. But there is some truth in here that is incredible. And if you'll just read it and let the Lord speak to you, he, it's, it's excellent. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, there you go. Now, really, he's not talking about your heart condemning you. He's talking about a heart that's polluted, that has an evil conscience operating on that heart, causing the heart to, to condemn you because you have this evil conscience working on you. If it condemns you, God is greater than our heart. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, you've got to believe what God says over what that heart's trying to tell you. Okay? Y'all with me? God's great and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Now, do you understand why your, your conscience is so important? It's because um, as soon as our conscience becomes uneasy, now this is the truth, when your conscience becomes uneasy, your faith absolutely hits the ground. You don't have the, your faith leaks away. And you can't face the Lord. That, that's what it just said right there in those two scriptures. The one I read in Hebrews and this, that's exactly what it says. Is your bad conscience, if you listen to it, your face is going to pour out on the ground. You can't face God. You can't be close to God. And you pull back from the Lord. That's what happens to many Christians. And they stay beat up constantly. Anybody had that experience? And I believe it's a, it's a, a major way that, this, that the devil contaminates our hearts. A major way. You know, honestly. I've talked to a lot of people about their problems, and many of them operating under condemnation. Many of them's conscience is eating them up because they're not really believing what the Bible says. They're not believing what the Holy Spirit's crying to. They're listening to the voice of their conscience. And it really will, it really will eventually drive you away from God, your, your bad conscience will. It will drive you away from Him. Where real true conviction which is another thing altogether. True conviction by the Holy Spirit will cause you to run toward God. True conviction from the Holy Spirit is life-giving. It sets you free. It, it, it may hurt. You know, at first you might recall, but boy, the outcome of it is righteous. The outcome of it is life. You hear what I'm saying to you? Big difference. Okay. Everybody good on the conscious thing, how it contaminates the heart. All right, now I want to look just for a moment about the hard heart. Turn over to Matthew 13. Now, remember, the context of what I'm trying to talk to you about, and I don't want you to forget, I don't want you to get so caught up in the technical details, because that's what they are in some sense, about your heart, is that we're talking about discovering the unction. We're discovering the desires, discovering the thing that God has put in you. That's what the context is. And what I'm trying to explain to you is the things that the devil throws your way to keep you from having that and keep you out of the very destiny and the very thing that God has... It's called us to. Are, are y'all good with that now? I don't want to mess you up. Matthew 13, everybody knows what's in Matthew 13. If you've been a Christian very long, you know there's a great parable in there called the parable of the sower. You know, it's pretty good. You know. so, but I want to just, just hit a couple of things that Jesus said in the explanation of the parable of the sower. Verse 18, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. This is Jesus explaining this parable that he just given to everybody. 
to his disciples. They were asking about it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one, everybody say wicked one, comes and snatching away what was sown where? In his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. Okay? Now, this is the truth. The wayside is living in the world. What everybody, I'm not talking about living in the world in the negative sense. I'm just talking about life. I'm talking about life. That's where the wayside is. That's the, the beaten path is literally what it really means. It's the beaten path of living. And here's the truth. If life tears down, life tears down. Does anybody have that experience? Just living. I'm not. I'm talking about going to work. I'm talking about getting, you know, to keeping the grass cut. You get in arguments with your kids over it. Things are said that shouldn't be said. That's things being teared down. That's life. Are y'all with me? Stress. This is. I just want to throw this verse in because I love it. <laughs> so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the Word of what His grace. I love that, which is able to build you up. Build up literally means to renovate and repair. That's what it literally means. It means it's meant to repair you, to fix you, to help you, because life tears down. But God and the Word of His grace builds up, fixes. And it also gives you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's a double, double portion. So life in this world wounds the heart. Okay, so I'm gonna, that, that's how I'm going to say this. Wounded hearts. Anybody got a wounded heart? That's what life does. And that's what wounds do. Wounds create a hard heart. You got that? In the Old Testament, listen to this. In the Old Testament, priests who ministered before the Lord could not come and minister before the Lord if they had an open wound on their body. You know, God wouldn't let them. He didn't, didn't want them. They had to go get healed if their wound, they had open wounds. Wounds attract demons. That, that's how demons are attracted to us, is through wounds. It's like an open sore on your body that attracts flies, attracts gnats. Y'all know about that? You get a cut on your arm, you're outside, all of a sudden these bugs are going for your cut, you know, and you're constantly wiping them off. Well, spiritually, that's what happens. When you're wounded as a Christian, the demons see that wound in your life, and they go for it. And that's how they gain entrance to our lives, It's through those wounds that we've gotten through living in this life. Through the storms of life. Are y'all with me? I said that. Disappointments, disillusionments, failures, words, abusive you know, relationships, misunderstandings, all those things can, can wound. And I'll tell you, if you're around in the church world much and there's somebody who gets saved, but they have demonic problems, real demonic problems, and you try to help them, you find out most of them, have, they, maybe they got sexually abused or uh, physically abused somehow, uh, something bad happened, and when they were seriously wounded in life, and, the, and, and that opened the door for the devil to come into their life. You see what I'm saying? And so what happens in Christians is you get wounded. Somebody says something to you. I'm talking about small-time wounds. I'm not talking about somebody sexually molesting you or what, something like that, which is pretty major. That's where demons really get in there. Somebody hurts you. They say something to you. What do you do? What does your heart do? Closes. Just closes off. And the Word of God has no place in your life no more. It chokes out. It kills it. It can't get in there. Because you're wounded. You're hurt. And the church is full of hurt people. Full of it. They are tired of it. 
They're tired of it. That's a pretty good word. The church is full of wounded and hurt people, and they're tired of it. I'm tired of it. <laughs> That's the way the devil gains the interest in your life. That's the way he keeps that thing in you down. You got hurt. Somebody hurt my feelings. You know what I'm saying? Church is full of it. All right, here's another one. Uh, verse 21. Well, let's read 20 to say, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Tribulation or persecution represents being offended. Okay? You got offended because a word of God in you, because of the life of God. There's this offense that came, and it can range from just, you know, you just got saved, and you told all your buddies at work you got saved, and all of a sudden they start making, calling you bad names, won't associate with you anymore. Or it can truly be, really, truly being mistreated, misunderstood, and hurt by other people. And there's this opportunity for offense. You hear me? Opportunity for offense. Okay? And I think that's one of the key within the church. You know, in, inside, a while ago I was talking about what happens to you in the world. Now I'm talking about something that really happens to you in the church. He's trying to get you, always trying to get you into a state of offense. Go be a pastor for a, a week, and you will find out how many people get offended constantly about stuff that's like ridiculous. It's Satan. It's the devil. It is the devil. I mean, really, most of it really is the devil. It's not God. It's not right. Here's what uh, Paul said. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That's what he was saying. And you know what? This is what I found in my life. When I, have a, when I start struggling with being mad a lot, you know, I'm mad at this person, that person's made me mad, you know, this situation made me mad, I realize, you know what? I'm getting offended. And I'm killing the Word of God in my life. I'm killing it. I'm, my, my heart's hardening. It's closing down. It's getting hard. And there's no life. The life in me starts drying up and dying. You can't be in touch with discovering what's in you. You can't, that thing can't really live through you if you're offended. And that's the truth. And I'm going to tell you something. If you are having trouble with anger or being offended all the time, you really need to understand that the devil is trying to destroy you. And he's just trying to destroy the very thing that God's placed in you. You, you need to understand it. And understand this is the devil. It's not, not this person or not this situation. So we can be aware of it. Are y'all with me on that? Offended hearts. All right. Worldly hearts. All right, let's go on and read verse 22. Are y'all with me? Now he who had received... Yes, good. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he, he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Okay? Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches represent worldliness and materialism. Anybody got any trouble being worldly or materialistic this morning? Now, let me just say right up front, I'm not against Christians having stuff. I got some stuff. I want some more stuff. Okay? I had a birthday recently, and Becky said, what you want for birthday? I said, well, I don't really want nothing because I can't have what I really want because it costs too much money. So nothing else really matters. You know, you can get me whatever you want because I know you can't get what I really want because it costs, you know, a hundred and something bucks and 
No, in this case it wasn't. I'm getting shoes. Okay, period. I've done decided that one. Okay. It just says it right here. Worldliness and materialism crowd out the Word of God from our hearts and leave it hard. You got that? And here's the truth. I hate to tell us this. God really is looking for people who will be sold out to Him. He really is. Not being sold out to the world and Him. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The gospel that's being preached and the, and the way the messages are going in churches, that nobody really wants to talk about really giving yourself to the Lord and being really committed to Him. And God really is. That, if we're talking about, Lord, make us the people that the prophets prophesied, you know, all those wonderful things, saying God is going to come, and He wants you to be sold out to Him. I mean, He really wants you to be committed to Him. I mean, really committed, not just when you're singing a song and not when we're just in church. But you see, the church has drifted away from that because I think the church's heart has gotten hard. You know, and there are committed people that are really sold out to the Lord and do whatever God wants them to do and will die for God if He called them to right that moment. But the majority of us are not like that. You know, we've got a real mix in the church. There's too much of a mixture of the world and true Christianity in us. Now, that's the truth. And I'm not trying to be down and preach down. I'm just telling you, this morning, God is looking for a people who will sell themselves out to Him. Totally. And be willing to forsake whatever He asks you to forsake. And that's really it. And if you really want to go somewhere with God, if you really want to enter into what God has for you, you are going to have to sell out to Him sooner or later. Because He will harass you until you do. He will not leave you alone. He really won't. And we really need to start preaching the message that we need to be really 100% committed to the Lord and everything else is second. Now, I think that's the truth. And I think that's what happens with people, uh, you know. Yeah. We need to let the Lord add those things instead of us having those things. So I, I want you to be convicted this morning because I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of you out there this morning who are worldly. That I, you know, there are a lot of you out there that are worldly. And I may be one of them. I'm not, you know, trying to set myself on a pedestal. But I just say when I look in this church, I see a lot of worldly Christians. I see Christians who want to follow the Lord, who have a desire for God, but I see other things in their life that are hindering them. And that's just, I'm just being honest with you. You want me to be honest?